Hey family, so we've been thinking about doing this podcasting thing for a while, so I have to thank Anchor for the amazing opportunity and experience to be able to create this so very easily. Um, Anchor's the easiest way to make a podcast. Uh, They give you everything you need, completely free, and I use it directly from my phone, and I'm pretty sure you can do it from your computer. They give you everything that you need in order to record and edit your podcast so that it sounds absolutely amazing. And they even distribute the podcast for you. So you get it here, you get it on Spotify, Apple, um, Google, and a hundred other places. And they even offer sponsorships. So you'd be podcasting and making a little money on the side. And those many streams of income are definitely important. So if you guys are interested, I definitely recommend that you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm in order to get started. I hope to hear from you guys soon. Peace and blessings, family. This is the goddess behind the gab, Dim Chakras. I hope that you guys are enjoying these episodes just as much as I enjoy recording them for you. If no one has told you today, please allow me to be the first to say that I like you and I love you. And I hope that your week is filled with nothing but joy and peace, happiness, light, and love. And... Please make sure that you guys follow me on social media so that we can keep in touch, family. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Brianna for your motivational minute each and every morning. That is C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-B-R-I-A-N-A underscore. And let's get the conversation started over here on Twitter. You can follow me at Dim Chakras, D-E-M-C-H-A-K-R-A-S. Let's get into the episode. Peace and blessings, family. It's Father's Day weekend, and I just kind of wanted to kind of shout out my dad. Um, My dad is one of the greatest guys that I've ever known, and I am probably the biggest daddy's girl that you will ever meet. I definitely want to do a interview with my dad, and I have so many questions for him, but I just kind of wanted to talk about the juxtaposition that my father and I had and some of the things that I was able to better understand now um, that I'm older compared to when I was younger and actually experiencing these things with with my dad or um, things that my dad and I were experiencing together. And there's a couple of stories that come to mind, but I'm not going to um, delve too far into it. But first of all, my dad is almost 50. So my dad, um, there's a 23 year difference between my dad and I. So my dad became a dad pretty young. Um, But I think it's like the normal age now for people to have kids but my dad I was born in 93 so I'm very young and my mom told my dad that she was pregnant with me on my dad's birthday um I was born in August and from the time that 
I was born until now, my dad and I have just always had this really heavy connection to one another. And I'm a lot like my dad in a lot of ways, especially like my temper, my overall like empathy. Like my dad is definitely an empath and he's just not really all that in tune with what an empath is. He just kind of lives his life. But he's such a sweet, kind and overall amazing man. My dad is also somebody who is very impulsive and I get that from my father as well. And it's something that he'll admit to, to an extent, but it's not something that he's like, oh yeah, no, I'm definitely impulsive. My dad's a fire sign. My dad's a Sagittarius. I'm a Leo. So we have that in common as well. And, um, my dad's just an overall awesome guy. One story that comes to mind, and there are several, and my dad doesn't have a problem with me sharing these things because my dad is very transparent, very transparent. (laughs) Um, My parents split multiple times, but they didn't divorce until I was about 11. At one point, my parents separated and I had to be like five. And (laughs) my dad had not custody but we were staying with my dad my both my brother who's actually my half brother my brother and I have different fathers but my father took on my brother as his son so you will never hear my dad say that's my stepson or whatever the case may be no Chris is my dad's son um anyway my dad I was like five and my dad took my brother and I who was 13 at the time there's an eight-year difference between my brother and I He took us to the playground and I really wanted to get on the swings and there were no like open swings available where there's no like, um, it's not like surrounded. It's not enclosed. That's what the word I'm looking for. And so my dad is like, no, you'll fit in the swing. And I'm like, daddy, I'm not fitting in the swing. And he's like, no, you're, you can fit. You're going to get in the swing. He's like, you're going to swing. And I get in the swing and I'm having like the best time of my life and it's time for us to leave and I get stuck. (laughs) I get stuck in the swing and my dad is trying to get me out. My brother's trying to get me out, but it's like my whole life I've just been like chunky. Um, So my my thighs are like swollen in the swing. (laughs) So my dad's like, Chris, run up the street to the fire department. Tell me your sister's stuck in the swing. So my brother runs up the hill and he goes to the fire department. The fire department comes down the street. They have dishwashing soap. They have these like grippers. They have a box cutter. They finally got me out. And (laughs) my dad just, the look on his face, he was trying so hard to make us happy. And he, he was definitely embarrassed. And... I just, I know that he felt like he had failed. And I just remember being so forgiving and just being like, it's okay, daddy. And my dad is just, he has this look on his face and he's just like, like, how the fuck do I get my daughter stuck in a swing? And now we laugh about it. We definitely laugh about it. But it's something that at the time, my dad was like really going through something and he was just trying to make the best out of the situation that was at hand. Um, I don't even remember why my parents had split at that point. But I just remember my dad being like, all about the kids being happy. Fast forward. Um, years later, my parents actually divorced. And 
my dad, well, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, before my parents divorced, and again, my dad is very transparent. So again, I can share these stories. Um, my parents were going through something and my dad worked for the railroad and my dad was at work one night and he was operating the train as a remote control engineer and I we honestly I don't remember what the actual reason was but my dad gets hit by this train right and when I mean hit like my dad got hit by the train and he's underneath the train and the train you know rolls over him not rolls over him like you know, decapitates him, but it definitely rolls over him. And we get this phone call and I'm freaking the fuck out. My, my mom's freaking out, but I'm definitely freaking out because all I hear is that my dad got hit by a train and he's on his way to the hospital. We get to the hospital and I don't even remember how old I was. I think maybe I was like eight, maybe like nine. I know I was still in elementary school. And I remember getting to the actual hospital and because I was underage, they wouldn't let me in the back. And I threw a fucking fit and not like a temper tantrum. Like, you know, I want to see my dad. I want to see my dad. It's like, listen, nothing's coming between me and my father. Not even that fucking door. So either you move the fuck out of my way or I'm going in. But you're going to have to take me out of here kicking and fucking screaming. And (laughs) the nurse just saw the passion in my face and she let me back. I am such a daddy's girl. I am such a daddy's girl. I am so for my dad. Like, my dad is my best fucking friend. I I love my dad. I love my dad so much. It, 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 it There's so many different, like, layers to my dad and I. Um, fast forward. <laughs> my parents divorced. And, again, my dad survived this train accident. Um my parents divorced and my dad was suffering from multiple sclerosis at the time. And if you don't know what multiple sclerosis is, it's actually an autoimmune deficiency um, or an autoimmune disorder that eats at the um, cells at your spinal cord. Um, And it also affects your brainstem. You get like lesions on your brain and um, a a lot of different things. It's, It's a pretty, if not treated it can be really bad it's not something that you can necessarily rid of but you can definitely go into like remission um and my dad has been doing really well with his multiple sclerosis um a couple people in my family actually have multiple sclerosis actually but um my parents were divorcing my dad had multiple sclerosis and uh my dad was dating at the time and the woman that he was dating was a nurse and before they actually got together Um, I remember going to the doctor with my dad once and the doctor was telling my dad that he had to get these injections and I remember my dad having to give himself these injections. My dad has had to do a lot between like catheterizations, um, because he got hit by the train, uh, injections like these these um medicinal injections but I remember that my dad used to close the door to his room so my when my parents separated my brother and I stayed every every time my parents divorced we lived with my dad nothing against my mom I love my mom to death my mom is my pride and fucking joy would kill for my mother I'm just a daddy's girl um so 
my dad used to close the door to his room when he had to give himself these injections and I could never figure out why. And I remember one day, I don't know if it was that he forgot to give himself the injection or whatever the case may be, but I, the townhome that we lived in, like you walk up the steps and then there's like a room to the right or there's a room to the left I'm sorry and then there's a room like when you look straight ahead and then next to that room was like the master bedroom where my dad's room was and then the bathroom was to your left I remember walking up the steps and then kind of looking diagonal into my dad's room and he was just stuck like but it wasn't like stuck like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing it's like stuck like I can't do this and I remember him just kind of like looking back at me and kind of just like sucking it up and then giving himself this injection and I just remember being scared at the time but like proud and overwhelmed and intrigued and curious about so many different things I was so young I didn't understand what was happening I knew that what was going on was something way deeper than what I could comprehend at the time but I knew, like I I knew. And I remember my dad having a conversation with me and my brother about the actual injections. And um, when he started dating that, his girlfriend at the time would start giving him the injections so we would start seeing her more. But I remember seeing that and being so concerned. As time went on, I became kind of like the woman of the house. But... Not the woman of the house, like, on on some, like, crazy responsibility type stuff. It's just I was the only feminine energy in the house. All the while, my dad is trying to keep me as feminine as possible. So, like, his girlfriend is trying to, like, teach me how to wear skirts and walk in, like, little heels and, you know, making sure my hair was done for, like, picture day and stuff. And all the while, I just want to wear long t-shirts like Soldier Boy and run around outside with my best friends Terrence and Jimmy. Like, I, I was a boy. I was such a boy. And all the while, my dad is trying to keep me as girly as possible. Um, and he tried. My dad tried, like, styling my hair. It just, it never worked. <laughs> um, he, he tried. My dad tried. And he tried to cook as often as possible. But with him being on the railroad, like, his schedule would conflict. So at one point, I was going to a babysitter, um, which was our neighbor up the street, Miss Liz. Rest in peace. Um, and then we got close with our neighbors, which, oddly enough, after the longest time of living out there we found out that we're actually related my the woman that I started calling my aunt is actually really my mom's cousin like her blood cousin crazy um yeah but I became the the woman of the house and I remember just kind of like the roles that I would take on like taking care of my dad making sure my brother was cool I'm the youngest in the house but I had taken on this role and I remember my dad just being kind of like concerned for how how I was handling things because like I would go to the babysitter and it was only because I wasn't old enough to stay in the house by myself and my dad was really big on like not having my brother watch me because he wanted my brother to have a childhood as well that um I would like I would be at the babysitter and I'm just like I have to call my dad I have to call my dad I have to check in with my dad and he would get home and you know try to cook a meal for the next day so that we didn't have to worry you know worry about eating there was always food in the house but like we didn't have to worry about like cooking and then after a while I tried to take some of the responsibility off of my dad so I started cooking and I started cleaning and um just kind of picking up the slack more I got older I remember his just overall concern for 
me growing up too fast. And I I vividly remember growing up too fast. Like I vividly remember um just growing up and just taking on as many roles as possible to make sure that my dad didn't have to endure too much because of course I was like concerned about his health, but at the same time my dad was low-key battling depression and really wasn't talking to anybody about it. He would reach out to my aunt, he would talk to my great aunt, talk to my grandmother, but it was always like a pray it away type situation. And it it was way deeper than that. Um, as time went on, my dad, you know, he got remarried. And I think at that point was the hardest point for me in realizing that I had to share my dad. Um, my dad's been married three times. And his second marriage, we just won't talk about. But his third marriage, which is his successful marriage, which he's in now, um, I just I remember the beginning and I just remember being like this woman is going to come in and she's going to try to like take my daddy away from me and I don't care how many times she tells me that she, you know she doesn't want to take my dad away from me she's she's trying to infiltrate what I have going on with my dad like this is my dad I love my dad I'm the only person who knows my dad well enough um her and my dad were friends when they were younger but I'm like I don't care about any of that nobody knows my daddy better than I know my daddy and it would show. It would just show in my overall behaviors. Like, I just, I I was not with, with the shit. I just, I wasn't. And as I've gotten older, I have really started to realize the overall, like, juxtaposition in our relationship. We had some hard times, too, like... When my dad found out that I was interested in women, that was really hard. Um, it, he took it really hard. Like, you're an abomination towards God. And we didn't talk for a couple of days. And the only reason why we actually did talk is because he drilled a hole in his hand. Um, my dad's really clumsy. <laughs> he drilled a hole in his hand and he needed help with like bandaging it up. And we ended up laughing <laughs> during the um, during him wrapping his hand. Um when I was diagnosed with chronic depression and anxiety and my dad took me to the doctor and made the decision for me to be on medication, um, that was a really hard time. Um, we went through some things and at one point my dad wasn't speaking to me and that was super fucking hard. Like, what? That was so hard. And Now that I'm at an age and I'm at a point in my life, I think back to all of the things that Jared and I have gone through (laughs) and it makes us us. It's not toxic at all. We've talked about it. We've moved on from it. Things that we needed to forgive each other for, we've definitely forgiven each other for. My dad is my best friend and I don't know why we went through the things that we went through. Like, I know that creation has a way of doing things and that I don't question. I just know that I have so many memories with my father that every Father's Day is just like a time to like really, 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 really reflect. And I just, I think about everything that makes my dad, my dad. Like I have siblings, I have 
a sister. I have a stepsister. We don't like to use step. Um, it, it's just more so for you guys to get the gist of like how blended my family is. I have a sister by blood. I have a blood brother um, who's my dad's, technically my dad's stepson. Um, and I have a stepsister. Uh, and these are all on my dad's side. And then I have an adopted sister that my dad um, kind of took on the role of being her father. Um, he does a lot. My dad does a whole lot. And I just, every Father's Day, I, I can't, I can't think about my siblings. Like, I, I know that my dad has done so much for my siblings, don't get me wrong. And just for us overall, like, as we were growing up as kids, um, and even as young adults, because he definitely does. My brother is, what, 34, I think, and still to this day, we'll call my dad, like, Daddy, um, I need something, um, or daddy, I just need to talk. Daddy, I don't, you know, I don't know this. Um, but Father's Day, I, I get really selfish. And I I really only think about our relationship. And I think about the experiences that I have with my dad. And how I wouldn't trade any of that for anything. There's nothing in this world that I would trade any of my experiences with my dad for. Because... I've learned so much about my father that I truly feel like nobody else knows my dad better than me. My father is the greatest fucking man, like the greatest fucking man. And there are things that I can't talk about. There are things that I know that that just cannot be shared. I just know that my father is my best friend fucking friend and that I would do anything for him anything and I understand our relationship so much more now I understand why he did a lot of the things that he did I understand why he took the precautions that he did as a father I understand those nights when he yelled I understand why he put his hand through the wall I understand the frustrations and it helps me to overall understand men better um just because of the way that I grew up it also helps me to understand the overall relationship that a black woman has with a black man watching my father be married three times the transparency in my father allows me to understand the transparency that black men have the capability to have um there's a lot there's a lot to Jared there's there's so much and my dad has taught me a awful fucking lot. Like, not awful as in the quality, but awful as in a quantity. It, in 25 years of my being, God damn it, Jared has taught me so fucking much. My dad texted me earlier and he's like, I really want to hug my daughter. And I'm like, I really want to hug my dad. And I'm like, I have to see you this weekend. My dad moved a couple months ago, like 40 minutes from me. So I don't see him as often. And it burns me the fuck up. Like I can FaceTime him. I can text him all day long. We talk damn near every day, like while he's at work um, or while I'm at work, he'll call. But it's nothing like seeing my dad. And it's nothing like those bear hugs. It's nothing like when he squeezes me really tight. It's nothing like those days where I think about he would pick me up and put me on top of the refrigerator. There's nothing like... When he sneezes, it's like the weirdest sneeze in the world. There's nothing like when he falls asleep and the remote's on his stomach and his tongue is sticking out. 
there's nothing like the weird jokes. There's nothing like the moments in the car where we're just rapping 80s music. There's nothing like his honest to God awful reflections of his talent shows in high school and how he still remembers his performances and how he can still rap the lyrics to his freestyles. There, There's so much to my dad and I, I don't trade that for anything in the world. Like nothing, nothing in this fucking world. My dad is just the key that has unlocked a door to me just being me. And my dad has instilled in me a lot. My dad has taught me a lot of lessons, um, whether it be through interactions with him or just in times where I've seen him interact with others. My dad has been my advisor, my counselor, my protector, my healer, um, my bully. Not like that, but to an extent. Um, He's been my cold shoulder, but he's been my shoulder to lay on. He's been, my dad has been a lot. But overall, Jared, Jared has been my fucking father. And I love the fuck out of my dad. If I could, or I will, um, if there was one thing that I could tell my dad on this podcast that I've never told him to his face, is that he has equipped me with so many tools that I took to my stomach and relate to my gut feeling way heavier than it ever has to my heart or my head. And your gut is where you make sound decisions. So my dad's advice, my dad's overall being, my dad's, just him being my dad has been something that I've incorporated just, again, into my overall way of doing things. And I thank him for that. I really, really thank him for that. Like, I think I've made some pretty important fucking moves in my life. And I don't know if they would have been as sound if it wasn't for Jared. So, Daddy, thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for rocking with me the way that you have. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for being a father. Thank you for those hard times. Thank you for letting me see those. Thank you for your kind words. Thank you for the flowers after every fucking performance. Thank you for taking me to your personal jeweler and letting me pick out things. Letting me cook with you. Letting me watch you change a tire. Watch me fix, you know, watch you fix the brakes. Um, Thank you for explaining train safety. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for coming to all my appointments when I was pregnant. Um, You're just so fucking dope. You're so fucking dope. And I love you so fucking much.
And I hope you have the most amazing Father's Day ever. I love you. So this is the second year um, that we'll be celebrating Father's Day without my grandfather. And this is the first year that I'm actually talking about it. Um, my grandfather died suddenly, December of 2017. And it is one of the hardest experiences I've ever had to go through, ever. I accept death for what it is. I understand that everybody has to die. I am just really not good with sudden change. And that, it doesn't get any more sudden. Um, my, my goddaughter, who is also my youngest cousin, believe it or not, um, was over at my grandfather's house and he was watching her and he said that he couldn't get out of the chair. He couldn't feel the left side of his body. And my goddaughter knew exactly what to do. She called 911. She called my dad. My dad got there. The ambulance was there. My dad called me, called my aunt. Everybody's, you know, rushing, rushing, rushing. Um, my dad and my goddaughter get to the hospital before me. We get to the hospital. They cannot find my grandfather. My grandfather was in an ambulance uh, trying to get to a hospital. There was something going on at the time where a lot of hospitals were in code yellow, so they weren't really accepting patients. Um, we finally found him at Greater Baltimore Medical Center. Y'all, when I tell you that I got from St. Agnes <laughs> to Greater Baltimore Medical Center, which is probably like a 20-minute drive, I got there in five minutes. Um, I got there, I get in the back and my grandfather was talking and he's like, Hey Christian, I'm like, Hey grandpa, how are you? He's like, I don't know. And I'm just like, okay. And then he just stopped talking and he's like, I don't know where I am. And the doctor comes in and the doctor shows me this x-ray of this mass on my grandfather's brain. And it was huge. I am sitting out in the waiting area with my goddaughter, uh, my father, my aunt. They finally get there. And the time of me talking to my grandfather in the back, my aunt, who is his biological daughter, actually showed up. Um, his brother, who is my Uncle Ricky and my Aunt Lisa, showed up. Um, and the you know doctor was ex basically expressing you know everything to them. Uh, from what it looked like, it was something that could be treated not necessarily cured, but something that could be treated and he would just, you know, have to be there for testing. Um, I go home after a couple of hours and I'm in the bed and my son's father comes and he gets me and he's like, babe, um, we got to talk. And he's like, your dad called your grandfather's uh, brain bled out and all they can do now is make him comfortable. I cried. My God, I cried. Um, I went to the hospital the next day. He just was like, in mouth open, almost like he was snoring, but his eyes, his, his eyes were open. Um, 
he wasn't responsive at all. Like he would, his hand would maybe twitch, but that was about it. Um, and then they made the decision to put him in hospice. Some backstory. Uh, my grandfather, Gerald Edward Ely, worked for the same place his entire life. He worked for Greater Baltimore Medical Center and he dedicated a lot of his life to this hospital. He went from being um, just somebody who worked in the kitchen to ended up becoming one of the supervisors for the materials warehouse. And he was held to such a high regard. His rapport with the hospital was so intense and so he was so well respected um, that when people started to find out about what happened, you know, they were coming down to the intensive care unit and checking in with him. A lot of the nurses, a lot of the staff from the hospital, but the president of the hospital actually came down and told us if there's anything that you guys need, please let us know. And um, it, it was it was really good to see. Um, again, my grandfather was my step grandfather, but my family's very, very, very close. So my cousins, my aunt, my father, my, my mother, everybody was very much, uh, together at, you know, at the time we expressed to my goddaughter, um, who is my youngest cousin, who was his youngest grandchild. Um, and then my, her older brother, my cousin, um, his grandson, we expressed to them what happened. Um, they didn't really know much of anything until we got to the hospice center and we expressed that to them. Um, and my cousin had a full on panic attack and we got them together and it was just, it was a waiting game. And probably like two days later, um, I suffer from endometriosis, which is, um, a condition which, uh, tissue grows outside of the reproductive organ, which can be very painful during menstruation. I was having a flare up and it was just worse than usual. And I left work early that day and I went to the hospital and we, our family only really trust greater Baltimore medical center. Again, it's just a rapport with the hospital. Um, I went to the hospital and I talked to, I, I went to the hospital they saw me, um, they gave me some pain medication, you know, they put me out of work for a day or two and I called my dad afterwards and I'm like, Hey, um, you know, they said that it's again, a flare up. Um, they gave me some prescription meds. I'm going to go over to, to the hospice and I'm going to go see grandpa. And my dad's just like, okay, um, um, your grandmother's going to see you when you get there. And I'm like, okay, I, I didn't think anything of it. I knew my grandfather was dying, but I didn't think anything of it. I got to the front door of the hospice center and my grandmother standing there and my grandfather had just died. And I just remember how 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 bad that hurt. My son was turning one in six days. <laughs> um, his birthday is December the 11th. My grandfather passed on December the 5th. And um, I just remember how hurt I was because m months before, not even, uh, literally 
a month before this, we celebrated my great-grandfather's 91st birthday. My great-grandfather is very much alive, kicking and pushing. Walter, he's here. Um, and my grandfather was there. And he held my son, and we took some really dope pictures. Like, the pictures were so good. They were so good. And then a month later, I'm taking those same pictures, and I'm putting them in an obituary. And it fucked me up. Because my grandfather is my father's stepfather. My aunt is my half aunt. So although we're family, if you think about the inclusion of some families, it's not really all that tight when it comes to everybody being included. Like it doesn't matter which side of the family you're on. Like my family, we don't care. We're so close knit. When my son was born, my grandfather bought him so much. Um, he reached out to the representative who provided the formula for the hospital. And I got so many cans of formula and so many t-shirts and so many like the diapers that you throw across your shoulder, shoulder so the baby doesn't, you know, throw up on you. Um, so many disposable bottles. Um, making sure that my breast pump was covered through my insurance and making sure that I got like the the a one breast pump and he came over all the time and he just he was just so fucking there and he didn't have to be like this man did not have to take my father on as his son and from 1970 like three until 2017 my father was his son and still to this day is his son. I am still his granddaughter. My son's still his great-grandson. None of that changed. My, my step-grandfather, this man, Gerald Edward Ailey, never treated me like anything less than his granddaughter. And I questioned, why the fuck? Would creation take this man from me when when they when he did? Like what? What? Why? And I still don't know. I, I just know that it was a tumor on his brain and it was huge. And he is no longer in this life. And on my son's birthday, um, I got a card. And that was the last birthday card that my grandfather signed. And my aunt's birthday, his daughter's birthday is December 12th. My son's is December 11th. My dad's birthday is December 13th. Um, those were the last cards that my grandfather signed. He signed them the week before. And um, Christmas rolled around. And... My grandmother and my grandfather, they go half on a Christmas gift for the grandkids every year. Like, that's what they do. And um, my grandmother made sure to sign the card from her and my grandfather. And she told me that every year for the rest of my life, I will always sign this card for me and Gerald because that is important to you. So every year my Christmas card comes from Granny and my grandpa. Um, same thing with my son. Um, 
Same thing with my, my dad. Same thing with my aunt. Um, my grandfather was just a really fucking amazing man. And I miss the fuck out of him. Like I, I miss him so much. And I feel like there's so many different things that I wanted him to see. I had this idea for my wedding when I do get married. Um, that he was going to walk me down a certain part of the aisle um, with my other grandfather. And um, he's not here. And this is the first time I really talked about it. Everybody was supposed to go to grief counseling and we just kind of said that we would all like grieve together and kind of work through it. And I haven't cried since maybe like three days after his funeral. Um, every now and then I'll go past the cemetery and release some balloons, um, some silver balloons. And we just kind of kick it. We kind of vibe for a while. So I'll definitely be out to the cemetery this this coming Sunday and um, we'll put some balloons up for Gerald. I miss you. I love you. I wish you were here. And um, we'll see you again one day. So co-parenting is probably one of the um probably one of the things that I never thought I'd do, <laughs> if I can be honest. I didn't think that um I would ever have to co-parent. I thought that me and my son's father would be together for forever. And didn't work out that way. <laughs> but my son's father is literally one of my best friends. Um we go through it every now and then sometimes it's worse than others but as of recently everything has been like copacetic we've been good we've been cool and no matter what I can never say that he has not been a good father it's not surprising at all I don't even know why I took that tone <laughs> with that statement um Yule his name is Yule um, Yule is the total opposite of what the system set up for him to be. I met Yule when I was 18 years old in a parking lot. <laughs> um, I met him across the street from a friend's house. We had a mutual friend at the time and she needed this book for school. And we went over across the street and I said, hi, he said, hello, um, Long story short, she didn't have the book, but um, we all decided to kick it. It was him, his friend Maurice, um, our mutual friend, and of course myself. And we kicked it for a while, and then um, we went in the house, no big deal. Uh, at the time, we were on Twitter. Like, that's how we kept in touch. And I was like, oh, okay, what's your, you know, what's your Twitter name? I followed him. Um, and then probably like... Two days later, I, I asked for his phone number. Like, not aggressive, but like mad forward. I'm like, what's your phone number? His friend was actually trying to talk to me at first. And I was like, nah, I think your friend's a little slow. Um, I'd rather shoot my shot with you, bro. So, anyway. Um, yeah. 
I got his phone number. We talked. And then him and his friend actually got into it over a girl. A girl that he that his friend was dating that he just really didn't like. Um, and he had an opinion about her. And he spoke that opinion. And the friend just really was like upset with him. So probably like 2 o'clock in the morning one night, I was staying over our mutual friend's house. And he called me like, hey. I'm like, hey. He's like, are you busy? I'm like, no. He's like, were you asleep? I'm like, no. He's like, um. I just kind of need somebody to talk to. I'm like, okay, I'm coming outside. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm coming outside. Uh, he he lived down the street. His mom his mom's house was down the street from the mutual friend's house, and he was driving his mom's Equinox at the time. So we sat in the Equinox, and I just kind of let him talk, and I let him get it all off his chest, and I asked him if he wanted some advice, and I I gave him as sound advice as I could give him at 18 years old, <laughs> and um, he kissed me. And it was kind of real ever since then. Ever since that day, during the duration of the seven years that we were together, um, we've always been like that. Like, if you need me, I'm here. Uh, we didn't start dating until October. So I met him in February. We didn't start dating until October. Like, it, like he was like, hey, I want you to be my girlfriend. Um, October of that year. That was like 2011, something like that. Uh, and yeah, so we were in a relationship after that and we dated and everything was copacetic, I guess. Um, of course every couple has their shit with them, but, um, fast forward to me being pregnant. <laughs> so, uh, had, it definitely had to, and we still to this day, no matter how many times, like we think about it. Cause like, we'll look at our son and look at each other and we're just like, we have a kid. <laughs> like we have a kid together. These two people that met in the parking lot, we have a kid together. And it's like, how, like, how did this even happen? How did we even get here? How did we go from following each other on Twitter and kind of kicking it every day just like on some friendship type shit to having a kid together. How how do we even have a relationship? It, it It's just really weird. We question it. Anyway. Um, so it had to be like March or something. Anyway. Of course we have sex unprotected. April rolls around. I'm spotting. I again have endometriosis. So spotting is something that can happen. So I'm telling him. I'm like babe. I'm spotting. It's brown. It's weird. I'm not used to this. I've been on WebMD for three fucking days. Either I'm dying or I'm pregnant. And he's like, well, clearly you have to be dying because there's no way in fuck ton you can get pregnant. Um, when I was 17, my doctor told me that my uh, chances of having a successful pregnancy was very, very slim. Probably like 20 to 30%. Um, most pregnancies that I would end up having would be ectopic pregnancies or... Um, just miscarriages and so getting pregnant with my son was a very scary thing basically um yeah he was just like clearly you're dying so I'm like you're probably right no uh so uh I gave it a couple days I actually gave it about a week or so and I'm just like no this shit is weird so I was like yo I need a pregnancy test my son's father um he does maintenance for vehicles so he's at work and he's like okay i'm gonna swing by walgreens grab a pregnancy test i'm gonna slide past uh slide past the house because i was living with my aunt at the time i'm like 20 i I was like 22 at the time i'm slide past uh slide past your aunt's house drop the pregnancy test off do you take it tell me what it says i'm like okay 
He's like, I don't get off till late, so just call me. <laughs> so I take the pregnancy test, and the pregnancy test comes back positive. And it's the manual one. So there was two in the box. And I'm like, this shit is not right. I take the second one, and the shit beeps, and it's positive, And I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm like, I have to call somebody. So I call my best friend first. My best friend's like, bitch. I call Kiara, who uh, is the other host of Best Friends Talking Shit, who is my very best friend. She's like, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. But I'm sleepy. I'm asleep. I'll talk to you in the morning. I call this nigga, you. (laughs) And he's like, all right. Let me take a nap, and I'm going to call you back. And I'm like, what? Like, what? So, throughout my pregnancy, Yule was weird. Like, we had the conversation about whether or not we were going to keep little Yule. Um, And my son's not a junior, by the way, because my son's father's middle name is really weird. But we decided to, um, after a very long argument, um, that we were going to keep Yule. And... It was hard. It was really, really hard. Like conversations before doctor's appointments were more so arguments. Um, I didn't do anything like fun or I guess you call it fun um, during pregnancies like maternity photos or like the stomach casting or any none of that. Um, But we had probably one of the most bomb baby showers ever. What it was lit. We had like probably. Like, real talk, probably, like, 100 people. Like, it was a lot of people. A lot of food, a lot of games, a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and so I got pregnant in April. My son was due in December. He was due December 15th. He came December the 11th. Um, the baby shower was in November. Uh, and Yule was still just being Yule. Like, we had by that time really kind of decided to like separate and just kind of like not be together because there was so much going on too much to even really go into detail about um so around the time that it was time for me to deliver I could not wait until the 15th to have my son like the week before I was due to deliver I'm like this baby coming out this weekend because I'm not doing it I don't want to be pregnant anymore so, of course, we had sex. That didn't work. And I'm like, yo, this baby has to come out. So we go walking. In Baltimore, there's this thing called Miracle on 35th Street. It's a bunch of like Christmas lights. You can go in people's houses, like Wonderland. Um, we went to that, and I walked around. Still nothing. And But before that, we went walking through the mall. So 35th Street is what helped. The mall was... I, I guess it helped. I don't know. We were in the mall for probably like two hours walking around White Marsh Mall. Um, I'm just like, I just want to go home. After we walked 31st Street, I just like, I want to go home. I'm tired. I don't feel good. There's a lot of pressure on like my vagina. I'm At this point, I'm just irritated. I'm tired of being pregnant. Um, I get in front of my aunt's door and my water breaks. And I thought I was peeing on myself. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm peeing or I don't know. I'm like, I think my water just broke. He's like, well, go in the house. And let's ask your aunt or let's ask somebody because we don't fucking know. Mind you, we're 22. Very dumb. Um, so 
I go in the house and I'm like, Shell, I think my water broke. She's like, how the fuck am I supposed to know? I don't have no damn kids. I'm like, oh, okay, point. She's like, call your grandmother. I call my grandmother. My grandmother's like, more than likely your your water broke. You know, you should go to the hospital. Um, I had something during my pregnancy called GSB. I think that's what it's called. So when I uh, when my water broke, I had to... The minute that my water broke and I went into active labor, I had to be put on antibiotics. So I couldn't go home and go through labor. And like when it was time for me to like come back, when the contractions were closer, um, go back to the hospital. No, I had to stay. So we get to the hospital or we're in the car and I had already called my mom. My mom didn't answer. My mom finally answers. I'm like, mommy, meet me at the hospital. Yule calls his mom. His mom is like, I'm on my way. So she meets us at the hospital. So we get there. Um, the nurse is like, well, babe, I'm not sure if your water broke yet. And I'm like, okay. She's like, well, just go in the bathroom and take your pants off. And when you come back out, we'll go ahead and um, we'll check you. I pull my pants down and it's like water, like dripping down my leg. She's like, no, babe, your water definitely broke. No need to check you. We're going to go ahead and get you admitted. So um, I get admitted. We go on this really dope elevator. The elevator was like, Probably one of the best elevators I've ever been on. But um, all the while, Yule and I are not together. We don't really hate each other, but we're not the best of friends. So what's supposed to be this joyous occasion is just kind of like really awkward at this point. Because after my, after our son comes out, what are we doing? Um, was he going to live with me? Were we going down his mom's house? What was going What was going to happen? So fast forward, I was in labor for 25 very long hours. And during labor, I promise you, this man, you, was a totally different man. What? He was very attentive. He held my hand. He would not leave my side. It got to the point where it was like, I was probably like 14 hours into labor. My mom was like, yo, you need to go home and get a bag or you need to... Take a shower. You need to go outside and get some fresh air. He's like, I'm not leaving her. No. Uh, further into my pre- into my labor, um, our son's heart rate plummeted. Like, I mean, it was low. And it, it was scary. It was very scary. Uh, I had this Russian nurse who came in and she flipped me on her own. This woman probably weighed like 100 pounds, soaking wet. But she's Russian and she's really fucking strong. And she flipped the fuck out of me. Um... And then his heart rate went back up. Everything was fine. But even in that time, I watched Yule kind of go into this protective mode. And it wasn't just protective over his son, but protective over me as well. Because here I am, this woman carrying his child. So fast forward, December at 11.14 at night on December 11th, I gave birth to our son. And um, Yule would not give me my child. He held Yule the entire time. Uh, at the hospital we had him at, there's this, uh, there's like a nursery that you can send your child to. You send them to the nursery when you want them to like take a bath or like when they, you know, like bathe them to get the um, the gunk off the child. But then they tell you that you're going to go into these rotations. So the child's going to be with you for a couple of hours so you can kind of get acclimated to what it's going to be like when you get home. And then you'll go to, uh, he'll go to the nursery. In the time that I was able to sleep, I would wake up. My Our son had hiccups the entire time he was in the hospital. I would go to sleep and hear these like fake little hiccups. And I'm like, I know this baby is not back in this room. And lo and behold, our child would be in the room and you would be holding him or staring at him 
or looking at him, something regarding him. If he needed his diaper changed, you was like, I'll do it. If he needed anything, you was like, no, I'll do it. I don't nobody touch my kid. This is my kid. This is mine. I don't fuck about nobody else. I'm not fucking moving. This baby's mine. <laughs> um, just very protective, very attentive to not only again his son, but to me. Um so it comes the day where it's time for us to go home. And we were seen by the nurse, and the nurse comes in and tells us that our son has something called a brachial plexus injury, which is like a sports shoulder, kind of like a stiff shoulder, um, but that he needed physical therapy because the movement in his arm would be limited if we didn't get it checked out. So our baby is like several days old, and in a week he was supposed to start physical therapy. Like that's how quick we started this process. Um, she leaves, she comes back and she's like, he also has this very large hole at the top of his heart by a valve. You lost it. I thought that I was emotional. This man was super duper emotional and I get it now. I didn't get it before because he was so not absent, as in his presence during the pregnancy, but absent in his overall like mindset. And I was very selfish during my pregnancy because I really could only think about me. I almost miscarried twice in the beginning, which was very scary. Um, there was a lot. There was a lot that went on during my pregnancy regarding my health um, where I needed him. And he he wasn't there. Again, he was very much present. But he wasn't necessarily helpful the way that I needed him to be. Um, And I became selfish after a while. It was just like, well, fuck it. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to fucking do it. My mother's going to fucking do it. Somebody's going to fucking do it. But you you don't have to be here. Um, I remember telling him, like, you don't even have to come to the hospital. I'll just let you know when he's here and we'll do it that way. And that that broke him. And not I, it wasn't my intention to break him. It wasn't my intention to hurt him. I just was so fucking tired of this man being absent and I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And I didn't realize that Yule grew up without a father. His father was present physically at points, but was never there mentally, emotionally, in love. It it, it didn't register. And I didn't get that. And here I was trying to figure out why this man didn't want to be a father and is that he didn't know how to be a father. And that all this shit was new to him. I knew about being a mom. I, I, I you know, raised my little cousins. I, I did as much as I could. Um, as a young girl. Like, you know, you get dolls and shit as a kid. That's, that's the norm. Nobody taught this man how to be a father. So fast forward. Um, we go home. And at that point, I couldn't get rid of you. He was at my house. He had paternity leave from work for about a, about a month, about three weeks, three days, three months. You'll, so you're sitting here with me um, for about three months. And he was there every fucking day. And I mean, like, like 12 hours a day, like nine to nine. My aunt, so I was living with my aunt at the time and my aunt was, she was big on just, the baby being on like a schedule. Um, so you would come at about nine in the morning. He would stay till nine at night. 
And then he would FaceTime me when he got home and we would be on the phone until you woke up the next morning. Um, but I, I was still kind of like a single mom because I was doing it on my own. Granted, our child is crying, but he's not here to, to help. Um, and my aunt, who's an older woman, she's never had kids, so she didn't really know anything about it. And I was going through postpartum depression. Um, I suffered with depression for years before then. So postpartum was a bitch on top of anxiety attacks, panic attacks, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, a couple of things. And um, it got to a point where I was losing my fucking mind and my hair, like my hair was falling out. I moved in with my mom. But before I moved in with my mom, Yule comes to my aunt's house and he gives me the sheet of paper. And I'm like, what's this? He's like, just look at it. And Yule went and got an apartment. And this was the apartment that we were to live in as a family. And I I didn't take it at first. It was cool in the game. We'll come over and we'll stay a couple of days and, you know, spend a couple of nights together as a family. But we, Yule and I, weren't together. So, fuck was the point. Um, I moved in with my mom and... That shit was something within itself. My mom was very, very helpful, but she drove me up a motherfucking wall. And it got to the point where um, Yul was like, well, come home. So I packed up the shit from my mom's house and we moved into the apartment. And that is when I saw a change in you when I really saw how bad he wanted this and it wasn't that he wanted the relationship although he did want the relationship I wasn't paying attention to that I wanted to know that he wanted to be a father because again in the beginning he didn't even want you so how the hell did we go from you wanting you to you not wanting anybody else to have him I was very much confused but again very very selfish in my thought process and from those days until now my son's father you has literally been the best father that I've ever seen a young man be given his circumstances To not have a male figure in his life telling him, like, this is what you do. This is how you love a woman. This is how you take care of your family. This is how you take care of your kids. This is how you do this. That that wasn't a gift that he was given. So everything that he learned, he learned on his own. And it wasn't no research. There was not a book that could teach this man what he was doing. But he did it. And he did does this shit and I watch my son enjoy his father and I watch the relationship that they have and I think back to what could have been and what is and I'm so glad I am so glad I am elated that this is the route that has been taken 
Yule has taken him to doctor's appointments on his own. <laughs> um, they have, you know, Daddy and Sunday where they go to the park or they go to Panera Bread. That's like their spot. Um, Yule has gone to the barbershop with his dad. We have made the decision not to cut our son's hair, but he will go sit in the barbershop with Daddy. He will sit outside with Daddy while Daddy is changing the brakes on the car he will run up and down the steps with his dad. He will climb on his dad's head. They wrestle. They do a lot together. And I think sometimes about the fact as though that could have been the total opposite. I could be that single mom with an absent father. I work for child support, so I see this. I see mothers who thought that everything was going to go well and it didn't. And that they can't co-parent. Like, it's just, it's impossible. The thing is, is that Yule and I know that the greater goal is not us, it's our child. And that he is what matters most. And that in what Yule wasn't able to possess as a child, he gifts to his son tenfold. And he does for his son in a way that... I brag about because at 25, almost 26 years old, yes, granted, men are doing it. Men are doing it. But how many males are doing it? I really feel like fatherhood separates the boys from the men. And my son's father is a man. When it comes to raising his son, the principles and the morals, even though our son is two, the principles and the morals and just the overall goals that you'll has set forth for his child shows in the way that he raises him. And I thank creation. I thank the fuck out of the universe. One, that he got himself together. And two, that I could co-parent with such an amazing man. Again, we, we, him and I, oh yeah, we got our beef. It happens. It happens. But parenting, the beef is to the side. There, There is nothing, nothing that my son's father would not do for his child. Not a goddamn, there is not a goddamn thing in this world that would stop you from loving his son. And that, that is the most beautiful thing. And the fact is, though, I'm able to witness this from from being a mom and I'm able to watch my son enjoy his father. Knowing that my son's father didn't have that opportunity. It's a beautiful fucking thing. It's a beautiful thing. I thank you all the time for just his overall attention that he gives our son and the love that he gives him and how genuine it is and how integral he is about his him being a father I respect the fuck out of you as not only a father but as a man there's a lot that we've talked about recently that he has come to admit about himself that there's a lot of growth that has to happen with him and I really feel like in him growing he will also grow to be a a better dad, 
but I really don't know how that's possible because he's already such an amazing man. I really feel like it's just him getting himself together and really finding his purpose. Um, but if I had to define you as a father, he would be grand. He's amazing at what he does. And I don't know why out of the 30% success rate that, uh, creation would gift me in reference to having a kid that it would be with this man here but by no odd of chance did it happen um it happened and to be honest I wouldn't want to co-parent with anybody else Yule is the homie like that that's the homie like that's one of my best fucking friends but overall I never have to question if my son is good. I never have to question if he's safe. I never have to question if he's happy. I never have to question if he has everything. None of that is in question. And that is the thing that I respect the most. So to you, sir, I hope that you have the most amazing Father's Day. I hope that You are granted many, many more. And I thank you for all that you do for the young king that we are raising. I appreciate that.